Welcome to Inside Photo Organizing from DIY to Pro with Allison Friedman from Arrange Wander Focus of Chicago, Illinois. And I am Susan Wallach from Save a Memory of Northern Colorado. Together, we will provide photo organizing tips and tricks for everyone from the person who wants to do it yourself to other pros in our industry. We'll discuss current software and hardware news about photo and digital asset management. We will be answering your questions, and we hope that as you learn more, you can complete your own photo organizing project and feel more confident to finally know, hey, I can find that special photo that I've been looking for. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, Susan. Happy winter. Yes, it's been interesting. Uh, in Colorado, we've had all sorts of of cold weather, uh, warm weather, snow, a little snow, lots of snow. We're all over the place this year. Well, we're in the middle of a deep freeze. And I have to say, I wasn't thrilled to come back from, from my nice holiday vacation on the beach and on the equator to come back to negative 11 with a feels like of negative 28. Um, I also will apologize for my voice today, which is a little bit hoarse. So Susan and, and our guest, Jill, are going to do more of the talking, um, but I'm thrilled to be here. I'm, I'm super excited to, to, you know, take off in the new year and get us going. For sure. And I am so excited to get to interview one of my previous masterclass coaches. So I um, got to, to know and uh, a little bit about her and uh, learn some of her backstory and um, her great approach to her her business. I should say businesses. Um, and uh, so we wanted to bring her on and ask her a few questions. Uh, um, she's got lots of experience in in uh, a, a variety of of uh, services that she offers now, and so she's just um, stitching them all together in a lovely way that we're going to learn about. So I want to welcome uh, Jill to our uh, podcast today. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Allison. I really, I was so touched when you invited me to be a part of your show. Um, I think it's a great podcast and I like, I like your questions. I love the answers and I just love the interplay that you guys have with each other. Um, so my name is Jill Yesco Diana, and I am the founder and president. Those are my big titles from Discover Organizing which I started 20 years ago, a little more than that now. And I started out as a residential organizer back then and a photo organizer, which was an unheard of term, but that's what I called myself. And um, then a few years later, I started doing move management for seniors. And therefore I'm a member of many organizations. And one of them, of course, is the photo managers association. And that's how I met um, you both. And um, I'm lucky to have done so. And um, my background before that was social work and human resources. And, and, you know, the very quick story on that is that I, I started out as a case manager right out of school. I went to Villanova, graduated, you know, 100 years ago. As my kids think, I was still wearing, you know, high button shoes and long, long dresses. Um, but, you know, Villanova was actually uh, a co-ed school and it wasn't at the time my father and his brother and his uncles went there. Um, it was all all male school. So um, I'm the only uh, girl person as <laughs> as 
as uh, you know, a lot of a lot of us would say back then when we were all the, the females walking around at the school. Relatively, if you think about it, I was going to college in the '80s, and only recently, I'd say in the last decade before that, women were permitted in. So it was it was interesting that the numbers were still heavily stacked in, in my favor um, to go to a a co-ed school. So it was it was kind of a fun it was fun college time. But long story short, I went to uh, Villanova for my social work degree. Um, and soon realized I wanted to be an administrator. I loved, I loved case management and I loved finding solutions for people. I think, which is, you know, kind of what, uh, makes being a professional organizer so fulfilling is because we always find solutions and we, we do so creatively, but uh, the administration side really helped me uh, going into HR, kind of morphing into HR and a clinical background. Um, I was the director of HR for a psychiatric hospital. And I did that right before I started this business. And there's so much clerical work in HR. Uh, it's 80% paperwork, I always say 20% people. Um, so thank God I had the people training um, back before I started doing HR or I wouldn't have been ready to do uh, what I do now. Nice. And just just to make sure everybody heard, because we've had a lot of photo organizers on our podcast, but you do a lot more than that. And I just want to make sure oh. that's clear because you actually started, at least for this part of the business, um, as a, you said, as a residential organizer. So mm -hmm. what, what does that mean? So basically what that means is we go into homes and we do a thorough like 360 assessment of the home and the person. We create goals around that person's, you know, lifestyle, um, you know, what they want their environment to feel like, what they want it to look like. Um, we define what organization means to them because it might be different than what it means to their next door neighbor or their mom. And uh, we just start prioritizing and working in the environment to meet those goals. And sometimes that takes years, sometimes that takes months, and sometimes that takes a few days, depending on the size of the project. But what we always found were photos, um, you know, everywhere. So I just started kind of incorporating that, um, actually that fall of 2003, when I was doing somebody's home and their home office, she was a lawyer. She still is, she's my lawyer now. But she, <laughs> she was one of the first people that hired me. And I remember her saying, I just need help in my law office, but I work, I work from home and it's okay. She had her own law firm. And, you know, put those papers in order. And because I had the business background and the HR background, I was able to know, you know, not just how to categorically file something, but just all the compliance issues that go along with the law and things like that. But then she would say, well, now that we've done this, can I take you and have you take a look at my mess, my main, my main <laughs> bedroom closet? And I was like, sure. And she goes, oh, I have you know, an issue with t-shirts. I'm like, okay, let's talk. And then we were in the basement and then we were in, you know, all these other parts. Then we were doing the garage. And, and then, um, I said, you know, I noticed you have a lot of loose photographs. You know, I always say that by the way, that's one of my, my big, um, I guess I'm giving away a secret, but I always say I've noticed this and I've noticed that, and that leads to really good conversations, but it also, um, is a great way for me to increase my sales. Right. Uh, when I notice things. And 
that also helps them to know that I'm paying attention to what I'm seeing and how we can improve um, some of the areas that, that they've brought to my attention or maybe that they haven't yet. Nice. So, you know, when you have morphed into all these other positions and I can, I can relate, I know, you know, what my background is, yeah. you, you take what you've, you've done in previous ones. And then you're like, okay, what else in my, you know, what else can I do? What else is going to ring my bell? So when you said you got into, um, the, the photo organizing, you didn't just get in. I mean, like now you are, uh, an agency that often helps other photo managers. You're at that level now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, knowing that people's memories needed to be put in order and have it weigh as much as their personal belongings, because how many times have we heard the interviews after a fire or flood from people saying, you know, I lost all of my memories. I've lost all of those things. I should have, I should have done this. I should have done that. Um, and so I think early on, just recognizing that I would charge as much for organizing photos as I would to organize your basement, you know, kind of was a lot for people to wrap their heads around because they, while they weighed it heavily emotionally, they didn't necessarily put value on it financially to pay me to do that. And they, you know, I would say, well, I'm still organizing, still using my skill set. In fact, in in a much more finite way, and you know, in the sense that we're we're kind of taking taking that that nitty gritty, that that small, um, you know, micro part of your of your personal life and making it tangible and and enjoyable. Because I always say you didn't take those pictures to have them move under your bed, did you? You know, and they're like, no. And I'm like, well, that's where I found them, along with a few socks and, you know, some shoes and some candy wrappers and, you know, whatever else I found under there. I don't want to get into, but, you know, I said, this is where some of your most precious memories are. This is your history. You know, what do you want to do with this? And I'm like, I want to do something with that. So, yeah, um, you know, now what I do is um, I do a lot of coaching and mentoring of other photo managers. I've given, obviously I've given presentations at the conference um, as well as virtually, just because I want other professional people to feel, um, I'd say the emotional success from this, from this uh, career. There is financial success to be sure, but not as much as the fulfillment I get from you know, making a book for someone, um, having it come in the mail and, you know, opening that spine for the first time and seeing all of those hours of me selecting photographs with them and finding the words for their stories with them and bringing, you know, life to their pages. It's really cool. And pages to their life, really. I love that phrase, emotional success. And I think we feel it just as much as our clients do. You know, when we yes. hand back a, yeah. you know, we take their mess that's all over the place and we essentially hand them back their phone and say, yep, here it all is right here. Just press this button. I mean, they light up like a Christmas tree yeah. and that's so fulfilling. So I love that phrase. I'm not sure I've thought about it in that way before. Well, and there's been moments, you know, you guys were, you know, 
we've had a lot of dark days here at Discover Organizing when the recession was going on and when COVID was happening. And, you know, photo organizing saved us all, saved my company. I mean, from, I, I feel, you know, ruined sometimes because during COVID, what we could do were the porch drop-offs and pickups and people still wanted to work with us, which I was so grateful for because they figured this was a no-touch solution, but we could still do Zoom. We could still do phone. We could still connect with each other. And then it gave, that, it gave them a great time to talk about their memories. And this was a project they could do while they were cooped up. And um, it gave us purpose to come in every day to work. And, and you know, we weren't making any income from the other two parts of our business at all. Right. How could you do that? You can't go in people's homes and interact with them at that level. Yeah. No. How are you going to pack up somebody's house, you know, move somebody or declutter or deconstruct a home or whatever, you know, when you have to be within two or three feet of them to ask, ask questions. So, you know, most of our clients are, you know, older and uh, they, they do need us to be hands-on. So, you know, we couldn't, the virtual organizing works only so far, you know, in those scenarios. So this was just the perfect, the perfect um, path for us during those times. And, you know, we went through the recession when I, I had an organizing retail store uh, from 2007 to 2010. I mean, my God, you know, that was like one of the worst times in our, our history, our economic, you know, history in my lifetime anyway. Um, and just thank God I was able to get out and you know, do photo work and do like projects. And I still taught photo classes in the back of my store and people came every week and they worked on albums. They worked on sorting their, their memories. And it was just a beautiful thing to do during a really kind of dark time financially. So. So if you have the, if you have the room, why, you know, why not keep all this stuff, you know? So, you know, um, some photo organizers are really into culling people's collections. So, you know, uh, only digitizing, uh, the ones with the people in it. So what's your approach? You know, do you, do you let them keep it all or do you encourage them to, you know, only keep the best? Well, one of the things I do, you know, I do hear by the way, is, you know, Jill, I have this, you know, 4,000 square foot home. So I, I kept collecting because I could, I had the space because you would walk into these homes and you would not see what you define as clutter. You would see decor, you would see memorabilia, you would see beautiful furniture and rugs and lighting and, you know, curated rooms. Um, but then you go down to the basement or up in the attic or, you know, the, the far reaches of the house. And then you started seeing, you know, more decor, more lighting, more things in storage, more things. And there'd still be space to walk around in these great rooms, you know? And they'd say, I, I got all this because I could, and we had the money. And that's how, it, you know, that's how it came in. But then I said, well, you know, do you have too much stuff to be happy? And the answer is, well, yeah, that's why I called you. And I said, well, how do we get to happiness in this house? And, and it really comes down to time management to me. 
And, and then eventually they see it that way too, because the more stuff you have, the more time you have to spend managing that stuff. And, you know, whether the more you bring in, you're going to have to make decisions about when it's going, you know, even if you're not doing the one in one out rule, that's very famous and popular in the organizing culture, you know, you still have to deal with the bulk of the things, if not today, then someday, and it just weighs on people. It's a, it's almost like a mental health thing because you know, it's there, you know, it's waiting for you in that storage room that you rented the last time you moved, it's still sitting there and you might be paying three and $400 a month for that. So there are costs, not just financial costs, but also costs, you know, so I approach it that way. I talk about how much time and money do they want to save versus what they're spending now so we can make it tangible. And then I talk about the priorities, like how we do ABC photo sorting. You know, I talk to them about, you know, what in this house is, are, are your A's? And we, we have an exercise we do. And um, I tell them that they have uh, three hours to get out of their house. I give them a piece of paper and a pen. And I say, you have three hours to get out of your house. Um, you have a Ford Fiat um, car, Mini Cooper, if you will, not even a four door. And uh, what are you taking with you? And your loved ones and pets are safe. And they're like, uh, and they write it down. We have to write it down. Fascinating approach. And then, and then you have a, a Ford Explorer and one person helping you load it. What do you, in addition to what's in the Fiat, what's going in that? They, oh, okay. And they, a couple more pieces of art. Some jewelry. Um, photographs are always number one, by the way. They always go in the fiat. Um, any albums, they said I'll stack up every single album I have, even if I haven't digitized it. I'll put that in the in the little car. Um and medicine, which is good because it, you know, um, memories are medicine sometimes. And then the third one is okay, you have all day, two helpers and a 20-foot box truck. And then we get very good at prioritizing how we're going to be doing our decluttering and organizing of the home. So, and I do that to a 25 year old, just like I do it to an 85 year old. So it has right. nothing to do with age, but that exercise really helps them prioritize what's important to them. I love that approach. Um, you know, one of our questions for you is actually what advice would you give to someone who feels overwhelmed by clutter? And I feel like you just answered it already because think about you know, when it comes down to it, if you only have your little fiat and an, I forget what you said, an hour or whatever it is, you know, what would you take? And that's how you can start, I think, getting rid of the overwhelm is, is it gives you a strategy to determine what is most important to you. For sure. And that yeah. would apply to stuff. And that does apply to photos as well. You know, if you're overwhelmed by digital clutter, doesn't work exactly the same way, but it's, it's similar. Yeah. Well, and a lot of us can recall those photos, you know, those, at least the moments and that helps us kind of track down the photo. Sometimes if we have, we don't have them organized, we can kind of at least remember, well, that was for my 50th birthday. And then my husband took me to Hawaii. So I can, I can try to find that, you know, but the digital overwhelm is, astronomical I think people just don't even want to begin anymore because it's just too big and it's our job I think as a photo manager to create that plan of prioritization 
And again, that, you know, what are you putting in that tiniest car? What do you have the least amount of time? But I also ask them this when I teach my classes and when I do one-on-one coaching with them, I always say, are the things in your home reflective of who you are right now? Because this is all we have, really, is this moment today? What are we doing today? What are we doing in the next couple of days? You know, these this is our present person. And how are we reflecting that in our home? And I find a lot of people are thinking, you know, that they're maybe their best days are behind them instead of in front of them. So they're holding on to many things that they used to be. Um, like a, a young mother who's now in her 60s, in her mind, those were her happiest times as a young mother. So those those artifacts from those days, um, you know, are archived in the basement or, or somewhere. And there's a lot of them, you know, there's a lot of those things. And so what our job is, as I believe, you know, photo managers or memory managers too, in the sense that, uh, and I, I believe this might've been one of your questions, but, you know, how do you kind of marry the two, you know, like the photo organizing and, you know, to help with decluttering and residential organizing. Um, and what I try to do is using the photo book as a great example, as I say, let's take, let's make a photo book of your favorite things. As we release them, I want you to tell me a story of them and I'm going to make them look really good in the photo book. It's going to look like a, a book from, you know, the Met or MoMA or some like New York, really, it's going to have a white background and you're going to have this beautiful object and you're going to tell the story to the right or the left of it or above it. And we're going to, you know, really hear about um, what this object means to you and the releasing that they can do after they do that is, is almost a hundred percent. And uh, it's very rare that say, no, 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 no. I want it back. Um, Because all we need to really do is, is share the meaning behind the object. Because there's always a reason we're holding on to something. Oh, for know? sure. Somebody oh. gave it to you. You picked it up in a special place. Yeah. Yeah. All all that. I, I used to think at some point in my life that I, because uh, I have moved I a lot, especially when I was in my um, 20s and having uh, to rent different places. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I moved uh, 12 times in six years. And, um, you know, some were a quick turnaround because another place wasn't available or whatever. So um, I think when people don't move um, in their life, they settle in. Yeah, Yeah. that that is almost harder. You know, I remember um, I lived on on Maui for 12 years. And when I uh, sold everything and uh, packed up the belongings I wanted to to bring with me to the um, they call it the mainland. I I had 35 boxes. My my life was in 35 boxes and wow. I think five of those were photos. <laughs> so okay. I mean yeah. that that is true, you know, Susan when you are forced to move, I mean you talk to a military family and they have what they basically need because they know they're going to be buying maybe furniture at the new place or what yep. they need to build their home at the new place, but they're bringing mostly their memories and um you know, clothing and the essentials and they, they get started in their new place and they get that reset button a lot where a lot of us don't. And I was at a house on Friday that they had their home built for them in 1978. 
and they they've been married very long time they're 77 uh years old each and as we went room to room they were like oh remember when so and so spilled this on this carpet and remember when you made this i remember when i was in labor with the baby and then we did this and and you could tell they were giving me an emotional tour of their home not just a physical tour of what's going on the truck what's going to have to get packed what's going to have to get sold um and you know i think our job as as organizers, whether it's photo organizers, residential organizers, move managers, is to listen, um, and because there's a lot of answers in that initial meeting, um, and and find out you know how to sl slowly approach. And I feel like the approach is always to you know listen first, you know write down all the all the goals, all the steps, and then figure out what room is going to be the easiest basement, attic, garage, guest closet, you know, weird closet and back of house, wherever that is, and start there and really prioritize around, you know, those easy decisions and get really good at those decisions. And then your brains, I always cut your decision-making muscle, which by the way, isn't a real muscle. I'm not a doctor, but I feel like that decision-making muscle just gets stronger and stronger with each workout or organizing session. And by the time we're finished with them, they really do not need us any longer because they've rehearsed so many ways to make that decision that's right for them, whether to keep, toss, sell, donate, or put it in the I don't know area until we can really go through that question again. So, right. so have you ever gotten stuck with a with a client and just couldn't get them to release some stuff and then said, all right, we're going to throw it in this box and you're going to put a date on it. And in, you know, six months, you know, yeah. if you haven't gotten back to that stuff, then revisit it. Yes. Uh, that, that can backfire though. We have, we, in my earlier days, I did do that. I would, I would say, okay, we're going to make this box, you know, for your future self, but promise me, it's not going to be a time capsule that you'll find, you know, after my death. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we do, we'll date boxes. I, I have been practicing that for as long as I've been an organizer, I will date a box that they've decided to keep with them. Even if it's stuff that is holiday decor or something that would probably get into the mainstream of, of their home, but they're so funny. They'll call me and be like, yeah, I found your date. I, uh, I did not go into that box of socks that I thought I needed. So I, I went, I just took that whole box with the tape on it. And I took it right to donation nice. where it backfires is what, when you do have someone that has, you know, um, hoarding tendencies or chronic disorganization is, well, that's a neat box and I can just keep stacking other boxes on top <laughs> of it. And, um, it's nice that it has a date, but you know, that was very sweet of Jill to put that date on that box, but I'm not getting rid of that. So, you know, it really comes down to now that I know better and I now I can kind of assess um, and do a non-clinical diagnosis of someone that is experiencing hoarding or chronic disorganization. I can I can take a different path with that individual versus, you know, someone that be, might be more neurotypical and I can just say, okay, we're putting an accountability date on this. So right. it sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Well, you kind of, I was surprised to hear when you were uh, speaking earlier and talking about, you know, how sometimes you can help somebody turn around 
their clutter in a, in a month or something, mm -hmm. but you also included a year. So have yeah. you had clients that you've worked with? Yeah. Oh yeah. For years. Uh, yeah, we, we actually, you know, still have clients. We got that first month because, you know, if somebody was perfectly organized, they wouldn't be calling us. You know, if somebody usually is not calling us with a situational problem. We have situational disorganization, like after a baby or a life disrupting event, a divorce, um, someone's passed away and there's grief, you know, that's situational where you, you're inheriting your mother's stuff and now it's in your garage and you, you haven't touched it in five years because it's too hard to touch. Um, you know, that's a situation. But, you know, chronic disorganization is a whole nother ball game because we're looking at just helping people keep their heads above water in terms of paying bills, um, making sure they're at they're performing at work to get their paychecks, um, to having a way to cook a meal, uh, to plan a menu, even in a very micro way to to be functional in their home and in the world, you know? Uh, so a lot of our clients are regulars because they're not going to come out of that situational disorganization state. Um, they just, they have a maintenance package with us. And sometimes we see them once a week. Sometimes we see them every two weeks. Um, is the bulk of the decluttering done? Yes, but this is how we keep them free from that and keep them feeling peaceful and functional, happy. Do you find that just the process for your clients of working with you helps them release? I was just thinking about when you talked about you walk around the house and they say, oh yeah, that's where we, you know, drop the wine and stain the rug or this or that, or we got this in Morocco or whatever that that sometimes just talking about it to a stranger or somebody you don't know well helps you identify what's important because you are looking at a whole room full of stuff and you've picked out that vase from Morocco or whatever to tell you about. Do you find that just literally taking the first step of having you come in helps mm -hmm. people start that release process to help them yeah. remove some of that clutter? I do. I do believe it because now they're admitting that they're going to need assistance to make some decisions. Uh, maybe they've had their adult children in or even just a family member in, a sister came over, something where, you know, they are also emotionally tied to the object in some way um, and want to support the person. But a professional, what a professional knows how to do is kind of ask the right questions during the assessment and also listen without judgment during the assessment and not say things like, why are you keeping that, you know, Susan, why are you keeping that, Allison? It's a, you know, you haven't used that in like 20 years. It's been down in your basement, you know, and we just, we don't, family members usually, you know, aren't the best partners right away in the decluttering process um, because sometimes they tie shame and guilt uh, they weave that into the the session. But uh, I think having me or a professional come out, what that does is it really puts everything down on paper and it makes a plan. And I often say without a plan, you know, 
you're just still walking around in circles in the same room. But if we can devise a plan and prioritize each space together and knock that out together, I will keep you accountable um, or assign someone to keep them accountable that is really good at, you know, not causing that 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 shame or that judgment feeling for their decisions, because we, we never make any of our clients get rid of anything and we never force that ever. Um, so we just, we just are guides, you know, we're basically guides. And then once they decide, we are very quick to remove that item because they have made that decision. So that's why we always, you know, a lot of professional organizers have SUVs or minivans because we want to just load it up as soon as you've decided, because when you keep looking at it, you may go, you know, I could wear that sweater again, or, you know, that vase might be good in the spring. It's winter now. I mean, maybe I just got rid of it prematurely, you know, so it's better <laughs> if it's just out of sight. And, you know, I have to tell you, they don't miss it. Yeah. One. No one's ever called me and said, you know, I really miss that pink sweater. No one's ever called me in 20 years. No one's ever called me and said, I wish I wouldn't have given that vase away. Darn it. Because we we guide you through the right decision making process so you don't regret it. And then we have all these tools and tricks to help you release and feel good about your decision. All right. So for me, I'm sitting here thinking I should probably call you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, as as a woman, uh, maybe you can relate, but I have several boxes of clothes that don't fit thinking, oh, well, if I, you know, unfortunately gain a few pounds, I'll have some clothes. Or if I, you know, uh, work out a little more, I'll need those ones that don't fit right now. So, yeah, so I've got boxes of clothes that are one size too big and one size too small. <laughs> Well, you know, that's pretty normal, by the way, um, to have one up and one down. I think what I see a lot of is more of like two and three sizes ago or two and three sizes of hoping to go into, you know, kind of thing. Um, so I think one up, one down. And I always just say, you know, like keep that keep that prudent reserve, you know, maybe keep, you know, a couple of of things in each of those sizes in case you do need them. So you're saving money and not, I mean, I am practical. I'm not, I'm not a purist where I'm like, nope, only be the size you are right now. <laughs> um, because I am also a woman, I'm 54 years old and, you know, I go up and down, you know, a size, um, just one size. I'm either this size or that size typically. Right. Um, and I have said, well, these are this size and I, put them in one bin in the basement. And, you know, I remember when I was on Weight Watchers years ago, they're like, don't do that. You should get rid of all of your bigger clothes as a motivational thing. And I remember going, uh-huh. But I also know that I have hormones and I have shifts and I, I enjoy vacations and I allow myself, you know, to go up. To fluctuate. Size, yeah. Right. And that is the decision I made to do it. There are people that don't do it that way. And um, I think that's fine. I think it's about, you know, can you store it in your home? It always boils down to, do you have the room to do this? Would that space with all those bigger or smaller clothes be served filling with something else that you're actually really excited about, you know, doing more of like if there's a hobby um, that you want to get involved in and those, those are blocking you from then, then we would need to talk about it. 
And that's really what, you know, to me is, you know, clutter is just really, you know, stuff that isn't serving you any longer for whatever, for whatever reason. Um, so I'd say pick out, you know, your faves out of those sizes and then just like anything else, you know, pick out your faves and get rid of the others. This is why talking to an outsider is always so helpful. Literally just the process of bringing somebody into your home or into your space with new eyes okay. can help you see something with new eyes. And that works with photos too. I mean, I just, I just came back from vacation. Uh, we're in the Galapagos. I took over 6,000 photos, right? A lot. Nobody needs 6,000 photos from the Galapagos. I can tell you that. But I uh, unfortunately had a very, very, very long layover in Houston. So I pulled out my 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 iPad and was looking through and starting to clean stuff out. And there was somebody else there who was also on a very, very, very long layover who was sitting near us. And he was sort of looking over my shoulder. Um, and he's like, why do you have 16 photos of that one bird flying? <laughs> and I'm thinking at first, well, I'm on burst speed, you know, I'm an amateur, blah, blah, blah. And he just points, he says, I like that one. Right. So I pulled up that one. I was like, yeah, you know what? I like that one too. And I just deleted the rest because nobody needs 16 photos of a flying bird that all look literally exactly the same. (laughs) And it's just a a point of clarity that when you have, when you're looking at your own stuff, you can't see a lot of times the forest from the trees. But as soon as you have somebody looking over your shoulder, or next to you, they can just, even if they don't say anything, just literally having them there can point out to you and make it clear, you know what, why do I have 16 photos of that? Or why do I have, you know, 10 shirts that are all three sizes bigger than hopefully I'll ever be again? You know, like I see it in a lot of like crock pots, but they have like the instant pot now but they have two crock pots in the basement in case they need that. And I'm like, well, how often were you using the crock pot when you had the crock pot? They're like, oh, you know, once once or twice a month. And I'm like, so when was the time that you needed like three crock pots going at once? And they're like, never. And I'm like, let's just talk about that for a minute. You know, and these are the conversations we have. And it does are, am I walking out of that house with a crock pot that day from the basement that they don't use anymore that has an inch of dust on it? No. But what I've done is to your point, Allison, kind of open their eyes to what I see is something that could be serving another family. Once it's cleaned, it could be, you know, there could be a family that lost everything in a fire or don't have the money to buy that beautiful crock pot that only got used three times. So I make sure they think they understand that there's a social impact as well to their donations. And I take pictures of me at the donation center or delivering it to wherever they want it to go. I'll be like, you want that charity? No problem. Let's load it in the van. And I will have pictures taken of me putting it on the shelves at the charity or wherever it is. And they're like, oh, cool. And, you know, once they know where something is going and it's really going there um, and it's going to be used by someone, it makes it a lot easier to release instead of it just being in the abyss of donation land, you know? Yeah. 
That also works if you have a teenager going to college, because I currently have mine going back to school tomorrow, and he's literally walking through the house right now saying, Mom, do you really need that slow cooker? Because I could use it at school. There you go. <laughs> so there, there's another technique, but it's similar. Yeah. No, it's like, here, do you need this for your apartment or your dorm? Or yeah. Um, I used to love getting stuff from my parents, you know, because I needed everything. I remember just having nothing, like nothing to do anything. And they'd be like, you know, hey, do you want this set of pots and pans? I'm upgrading. I'm like, yes, I absolutely do. I did um, the same thing. Yeah, I took it. I had no pride. I'm in some some of the moms I work with, they're like, my kids don't want my stuff because it's not like current all the stuff on Instagram yeah. or, or on TikTok, you know, it's not the Caraway brand or whatever. And I'm like, well, I have a Revere pot from my mom that I still use to this day for, to make soup in. I mean, I probably pull it out of my cupboard maybe three times a week to, to use. It's my husband uses it all the time. It's just my little go-to, but it's from my mom's house that she discarded it when she was upgrading to her whatever, Farber, where I don't know back then what it was, but you know, I took it. I had, I had no, I have no pride in take. I was happy to have whatever discards my parents gave me. So for our, um, our audience, for myself, I'm sure for Allison, what would be some of your top tips for downsizing a home? I always think, you know, downsizing a home, but, you know, kind of keeping your lifestyle, right? So you can downsize possessions, but I, I always ask them, what activities do we need to take with us? And they're like, what do you mean activities? And I'm like, well, what do you guys like to do? And like, well, we, we like to, you know, we have card night and I'm in a book club and, you know, he likes to play golf and okay. And like, I, I find out all the stuff I said, so that's 20% of what, you know, you really, you know, want to take with you other than your furnishings that, you know, that'll fit. And we always do a space plan. If we know where they're going, you know, plan, plan, plan. It's a big word of mine. Um, I take that means you have to do math. Yes. Uh, well, I draw, I, I'm sorry, Susan. (laughs) I'm a, yeah, I'm a hand drafter, but two people on my team use like a, a program to do it, but I, I hand draft everything. And then we have a magnet board so that the client can actually play tactically with where their furniture is going to go. Um, so we talk about, you know, kind of where are they going? Um, what will they be doing there? Why did they choose that community or why did they choose that particular house? And then I take those answers and I build the plan of attack. And um, we always just work with the easiest stuff first, you know, with the things that don't really matter to them anymore get rid of that first phase. And then our second phase are the harder decisions. Um, and that's getting into the, some of the things that, um, you know, they're emotionally attached to. And then we get into all of the strategies to release those items if they're ready. If they're not ready, then, you know, we wait till phase three when it's a couple of weeks before the move. Um, if they're making the transition, if some people are just downsizing to age in place, but they have a, we always make a hard deadline for when we're going to get through everything. So even if there isn't a moving truck coming, I'll say, 
this could go on for years while I'm happy to have your income. What I'm trying to do is, you know, kind of shorten that time so that you can enjoy time in this house longer. So how can we make this house, you know, manageable for you to have less, less stuff to manage, make it easy to navigate in, to have family over in, to cook in, to, you know, still dance. If you want to dance, how are we going to do this? Uh, so, you know, downsizing isn't necessarily about moving, you know, sometimes it's about just having a simplistic, enjoyable surrounding to, to have for as long as you can have it safely and enjoy it safely. Where do the photographs fall in this plan you've just crafted? Yeah. So it's funny because they always want it in phase three, but I always put it in phase one because I'm like, we're going to need to do this kind of in tandem, like alongside of while we, we are decluttering your home, we're going to need to be organizing and de decluttering some of your photographs and memorabilia. And what I like to do is work on those really big framed pictures that are covered in sheets in the basement or that um, they took off the wall, the gallery wall from like when the kids were like 10 and now the kids are 50. And their graduation like, portraits, the graduation <laughs> portraits, you know, the first dance recital portraits. Those are all very special portraits, but sometimes I'll get them hands on working with me to take them out of the frames so that they feel that, you know, they're kind of working alongside of me. Otherwise, I will happily take them back to our studio and do them. But I feel like they get more engaged and we talk about um, the process of, you know, selecting our favorites. And by them being that engaged in that phase one process, then they're also um, engaged not only in releasing the physical items out of their lives, but also becoming very astute at making decisions about the memorabilia that they're going to keep, the memorabilia that they're going to digitize and then discard, and then just memorabilia that they're just going to discard, like the children's like spelling test from second grade that they took every Tuesday. They kept every single one. Well, let's just keep one that has an A on it. I'm like, fine. You know, we can do that. And, and that's the kind of stuff that's kind of fun. And it actually gets me closer to my client and builds the bond when I can do the organizing side by side with them. There is something to be said, of course, for working back in your own studio. Um, but I feel that we lose something there um, sometimes. You know, if we can, if we have the luxury of living in the same city as our client, um, I think there's a lot of opportunities there to marry that downsizing um, practice with the downsizing of the of the stuff that kind of backs up our um, memorabilia and photo pieces and getting even rid of that, those big bulky frames and putting all of those bigger pictures in some type of a portfolio until they're ready to digitize. But it gives them another chance to go through those photos one more time and decide, oh my gosh, there's three of these. I didn't realize that. Or uh, I have one big one. I don't need all these little wallets. You know, I don't need... And once they become very intimate with their own collections of things, then it gets so much easier for them to um, help me when I'm finally ready to digitize and put them into a, a medium that they can enjoy. So share, tell us uh, 
success story that you've had um, where organizing, you know, really impacted their, their life? Oh, like this one after 20 years. Um, I'm sure one will float to the top. um, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there was somebody that called me um, as a result of a referral, their next door neighbor, we had downsized and moved this couple in uh in pittsburgh here and it was successful everything went well and she became a really big referral source and still is to this day and uh about a year after i had moved this couple i got a call from a woman and she said i'm elaine and you're not going to um let i'm not going to get rid of anything i'm just telling you that right now but we do need to move. And I've been in this house. I was born in this house. My, um, when I married my husband, my, my parents sold us this house. So I've, I've never left this house. And she was maybe in her late seventies at that time. And I said, wow. Okay. So I went over and did the consult. Turns out they're both lawyers. (laughs) and they looked at my contract up and down, back and forth, and I was starting to sweat, uh, worried that maybe, just maybe I had not dotted an I or crossed a T, but they signed everything, and they, um, you know, wanted to hear more about my services, and really kind of were grilling me, especially, especially Elaine grilled me and grilled me about exactly how I was going to pack for China, and how I was going to do this, but just understanding that she wasn't going to get rid of anything because she had measured everything and it was going to fit in her new place. And I said, okay. And now I was starting to sweat even more thinking, I hope she's good at measuring things. Um, So she wasn't, she wasn't, she wasn't downsizing to a smaller place. Well, or was she? (laughs) Oh, okay. It was more of a lateral move. They're moving to a, to a, to an apartment, but it, it it gets, it gets better. So I, I, uh, I they signed the paperwork and Elaine tells Carl to go get his checkbook and Carl shuffled off to go get his checkbook and he came back to the table and he says, we're just going to, we're just going to do a retainer, um, puts a very large amount out there to me and my sweat stopped immediately and was replaced with something else. Uh, I don't, I don't know what just like, uh, I was like, oh my God, I hope I can, I can uh, make sure everything fits. So this is a sight unseen thing. So I go pack, bring my team, we pack, they buy us lunches every day, very sweet couple. And I, I said, you know, is there any way I could just see the new place, you know, before we get in, just to, just to peruse it. They're like, yeah, 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 of course, of course, of course. So I go over there and of course it's spacious and this whole thing. And she says, all right, Jill, now that all the boxes are coming over next week, I want you to tell me exactly where everything's gonna go. <laughs> and I said, Okay, where did where did you think everything was going to go? I started with that question, you know, and um, she she told me, um, well, I you know the pantry's for food, and I was like, that's adorable, that's very cute, you know. But we we had this banter at this point because we'd been together now for a couple of weeks, you know. This one was a very large home we were packing up, and again, I was getting day by day more anxious. But what was beautiful about this story is twofold. One, when we got in there, she gave me complete carte blanche. She said, you're in charge. I've measured everything. I know it's going to fit. You take that beautiful brain 
and you make me a new home. And she, she was nearby, but she let me do my thing. She let me play in my space and she let me be creative and buy all of the organizing goodies and people in her, I know this building, people would stop me and go, Oh, are you the organizer? She says that you found a space for every single thing she kept. And she loves your wicker baskets with the names on them in her guest closet and in her hall closet. There's a space for the umbrella, Jill. And they were so sweet. This this is like a high rise place, a very nice high rise here in Pittsburgh. And I became so popular in that building because I found bins for every single one of Elaine's objects that um, I, I, we, we went probably to every apartment in that apartment building by the time, you know, in the last um, 10 years, but she um, had just retired from being a lawyer and finally, and she didn't go to law school when she was 50. And she, um, we ended up doing her entire retirement memorabilia book of her whole life, uh, not just, you know, as a lawyer, but before we made a personal book and a, a, a regular, you know, career book. And we ended up getting, they kept giving us more, you know how it goes. They keep giving you more and more projects and more projects. And we were making volumes of memory books. And when she passed away, um, just a few years after that, it was very sad. Um, they put all those books out at, you know, at, and I felt like we were such a big part of her life. And, um, now he called me and I had to downsize that apartment, um, you know, after she passed away, um, because he is happily engaged to be married. Uh, I believe he is 80 and his, uh, betrothed is about 75 and um, I moved him out of that apartment and I downsized him and we cried together. Oh, what a sweet story. I know it touches you very much. Yeah. yeah. And we, um, we organized his new home in his spaces. <laughs> his new bride to be was like, I will organize from now on with this thing. And he looked at me and he goes, just do my library in my office. You know how I like it. And so um, that's what I did. But, you know, we, we, we placed those memory books on those bookshelves in his office and nice. we, we hugged and cried a lot. So, you know, these are full circle clients for a lot of, for a lot of things. And we, we actually made a beautiful legacy video of his life for him. And he pulled objects before we disposed of them. And he talked about his life with Elaine and that video is in the vault uh, here in my office and it's on the cloud and it's on the event of his passing. His children will get that. And I feel very honored to be a part of his life um, and, and, and hit in his life with Elaine as well. So. That's a fantastic story. Wow. He was a lot. It was a lot of, um, yes, there's a lot of emotional success with that story as well, Allison. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. I could see it from your face and just listening, listening to you tell the story. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you get into this business, you don't really uh, always realize how you've changed your client's um, life by the services that you offer. Right. You know, you, you uh, think, you know, you're, you're just, digitizing a few photos or creating a little book for them. Um, oh no, you're doing yeah. way more. Mm -hmm. You're giving them a voice. 
and you're giving them the opportunity to pull things out of their history and out of, you know, kind of their emotional memory bank as well, not just their memory bank. Like I got married on this date. And then our job is usually to say, tell me more about that day. What was the weather like? Um, what, you know, what did your bridesmaids wear? Tell me about what it was like getting ready. How, you know, we ask those questions. We don't just plunk down a wedding picture and say date of marriage. We, we always want to know more, you know, cause there always is a lot more. Yeah. There's always a story. Always a story. Always a story. So tell us this, cause we ask this of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the strangest photo in your collection and the story behind it? Okay. Well, in my own collection, I would say the strangest story or strangest photo is of me at a cooking, <laughs> me at a cooking class um, in Florida. And actually it was just a couple of years ago. I mean, there's funny pictures of me like wearing costumes as a kid or you know, as my mother would say, that's what you wore on a Friday night. That wasn't a costume. You know, there's, there's things like that. (laughs) Um, whatever mom, but, um, I would say it's a picture of me at a cooking class. I'm wearing an apron and I'm presenting a meal like that I made. And I will say that is strange because I am not a cook. I am not a chef. Um, and I was alone, uh, on this, it was a surf trip. And um, my husband had flown down, but he he's, he plays poker. Um, he's really good at it. Um, and he was off at a tournament somewhere in Florida. And uh, I refused to sit home. So I went on Airbnb experiences. And I said, what's the one thing that would take me out of my comfort zone? And believe me, if you polled anyone that knows me, they're like, Jill went to a cooking class? Uh, so... <laughs> It's, I would say the strangest photo in my collection is me going to this gourmet cooking class. I took copious notes, you know, about how to make chicken. I really don't, I'm not a good cook. I'm surprised my children have survived. They, <laughs> they're alive. I know I fed them uh, meals. I I don't, I mean, I, we only went to McDonald's every now and then, you know, like when I was guilted and stuff, but I, I cook, but I, I think I just cook really basic things. I made this dish that, uh, I don't remember the name of it, but it was an amazing dish and it tasted delicious. And um, I it was kind of in a sketchy part of town and Uber driver didn't want to leave me there. And I was very brave and I went in and I had this experience all by myself with this chef. And there was this woman that came later, you know, with her friend. And um, they were just mostly there to drink and stir things. But I really wanted to learn how to make something gourmet and be proud of it. Um, and so every time my husband sees that picture of me wearing the apron, he's like, that just is so out of context for me. And I'm like, stop it. It's bad. But, but that's not my thing. I'm I'm just not that person. But that night I was a chef. And that night I did something very brave that I would never normally do. So. I would say it's probably not a strange picture to me, but if people that loved me and know me saw it, they'd be like, what are you wearing? What is, is that food in front of you? Are you in a kitchen? So yeah, that, that would be it. I and I have, have you ever made the dish again? 
no, uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, no, I have not. In fact, I uh, use that picture because it's so strange. I actually use it as my ID. So like, you know, the new iPhone, you, you have to pick your picture to go with your contact. I've actually used that to inspire me to cook more. And I have been cooking more. I've been cooking more. Uh, I bought myself two cookbooks for Christmas and I've made three or four dishes out of it. And that very strange picture has turned out to be a motivational um, sort of gauntlet thrown down of I'm going to learn how to make things that have more than four ingredients this year. That's my that's my big intention this year is to make tasty food that is interesting. Nice. I'm doing it. I'm doing it slowly but surely. And on the weekends. Because <laughs> I don't so, have to week. So when Susan and I take a drive through Pittsburgh, should that ever yes. happen? Will you, will you cook us something? I will. I will cook you. I will practice before you come. It's not a strength of mine, but it will taste good because I will have practiced on my husband and my son who lives a few blocks back. He'll pop over and he'll taste test everything. He loves doing that for me um, if I'm making something new. So it's it's always so fascinating to hear of people's um, uh, preferences and and, uh, you know, uh, things that they uh do easily and other things that don't come so easily to them. Yep. So, you know, I see that little surfboard back there. I know you're a surfer and that is something that did not come easily to me when I was in Hawaii. So, you know, the fact that, you know, I I'd rather be in the kitchen personally than on a surfboard. So we all have our, our different talents, but you know, kudos to you for, um, taking that and, and uh, you know, sort of wrestling your demons and, saying yeah. I can I can change how I feel about cooking <laughs> I can and I am and my it's a whole new mindset that class turned my head you know around to to that and it was you know it was just it was recent too and um it made me when I saw the picture of me doing it it made me think I can do this the photograph says I can does that make sense yep it, it says, it's proof yeah it's proof that I I did this with very little coaching and he was very proud of me. And uh, one of the other pictures of is him standing behind me, just very proud, you know, this chef, you know? And so it was, it was a fun, it was a fun night for me to be uh, out of my comfort zone. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, Jill, for joining us today. I learned a lot as I always do. And and I know you, I've met you. We've talked many times and I still learned all of this new information about you, which, <laughs> which I love. It's one of the reasons why we do this. So we really, really appreciate you coming on today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, absolute pleasure seeing you guys and talking to you. I'm so glad we're seeing each other on Zoom too. I know this is a podcast, but I get the gift of um, seeing your faces and that's that's a gift for me so thank you well I know uh, we're going to uh, probably see you in our spring conference yes I'll be for there. our organization and so yeah and uh, we want to wish you the very best for this year thank and you. um and keep up the great work oh thank you you both too I love your podcast keep going awesome thank you Jill all right. See you.
Bye-bye. So it was so nice to, to have Jill um, on our podcast so that we could dive in a little bit more deeply into her background, which is, you know, as you just heard, quite extensive. I was fascinated by all the different services that she offers and how she really does practice supporting her clients in their ability to let go of things and also allowing them to keep their stuff if they if they want to, like totally not pressuring people, um, just supporting them, uh, which is, I think, says a lot from her background on social work and how you handle your clients and, and you know, organizing is an emotional task. Don't you agree? I, it was just fascinating. I do. I love her approach with the cars. Your first car you get, I don't remember exactly what she said, but your first car, you get that little Fiat and an hour and what's going to go in it. And then right. your second car is the, you know, the Ford Focus and you've got one helper and an additional hour. And then the third is the big container and you've got helpers. And, and I think it really helps you think about and focus on what is the stuff that is most important to you? What do you really want to save when it comes down to it? But knowing that you don't have to get rid of everything and you have time to go through your things and and just because you're moving or you're downsizing or you're cleaning out your photographs, it doesn't, you don't have to have a, okay, I'm going to keep 100. You don't need to. You can keep 200 or 500 or, or 6,000 because everybody's different. But I just, something about the way she described that with the cars made it very real for me. I, I could picture it in my head. Well, it was a great analogy to causing you to really quickly visualize uh, what's important. Just brass tacks, like... You've got an hour. What are you throwing into the car? And I think we all knew that photos usually goes into that first car, which is what truly would be the thing that goes in, you know, my Fiat for me, you know? Absolutely. That, yeah, that didn't surprise me at all. I do think that actually can come in in a couple of different ways. So for some people, that would be all the old albums and the the boxes. But for people who have moved into more digital, it should be that little hard drive. You know, even if your stuff's backed up in the, in the cloud, grab that little drive with <clears throat> all of your photos that we've talked about so many times on the show. And that doesn't surprise me at all that that goes in the Fiat. And I will just say, once you're organized, that if you do have it all in a little drive, that leaves your Fiat open to bring a whole lot more stuff than if you have to put in all the albums and the boxes. Just a little, a little plug for getting your stuff organized and ready. Uh, but I also, and I also think she really drove home that it can be very, very helpful to have a second set of eyes on your things, or just somebody that that is asking you questions that you need to answer. That's not mom or dad or a partner or cousin or a friend because they see things differently. And just by just the process of you talking to them makes you see things differently. So it can be a great help if you're downsizing or making decisions for whatever reason you need to make these decisions. Yes, for sure. Yeah. 
It's a lot to think about. And uh, especially as you age and the fact that she went from home organizing now to senior moves sort of gives her that whole life cycle for someone, um, you know, as they age out and they need to to relocate and downsize and, um, you know, keeping your legacy in mind, you know, what are the things that, that you're going to hang on to uh, or repurpose. And uh, that might be the good time that you start identifying things using some of the other software tools that we've, or apps that we've talked about, you know, how do you preserve those memories of things that you no longer want to keep? It's certainly a theme that we have on this show that we talk about a lot. And we will obviously put all of Jill's um, contact information in case you want to reach out to her in our show notes uh, at www.insidephotoorganizing.com. So you can see them there. And hopefully this helps some people or at least enjoyed, you know, I hope you enjoyed listening to it because I sure did. And again, for anyone that's out there listening, if you've got any questions for us, uh, you know, we're happy to uh, answer those on our next podcast. So um, hop out to InsidePhotoOrganizing.com and uh, leave us a comment um, and also um, check us out on your your favorite podcast. And we'd appreciate any uh, reviews so that we can get uh, more people interested in in this very important topic. For sure. Thank you, Susan. It's always, always a pleasure. I love our meetings and I look forward to doing this again next month. Sounds good. Until then. That's it for our show today. Remember, you can find this episode on all of your favorite podcast apps. Be sure to click follow so you can stay up to date with the latest in photo organizing. We'll catch you next month.